Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. We hope this episode blesses you as we share the things that God has placed on our hearts this week. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Just search Shooting It Straight to connect to all of our encouraging thoughts, posts, and updates. Love y'all. Welcome back to Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. Uh, we are back and ready to dive into chapter three of the Song of Solomon. I uh, hope you were able to catch the first part of this um, last week. And man, as we get ready to read it again this week, we're going to see if we cry more or less this week than we did the last one. <laughs> well, it's just so good talking about the love of the Father. Yeah. And um, I mean, I just don't think there's anything uh, that depicts um, his his love for us in a verbal way yeah. more than the Song of Solomon. Yeah, and tears are a beautiful thing, you know, just before yeah. we get into that. That's something I've actually been hearing a little bit from uh, Corey Russell. He put out some, some stuff talking about the gift of tears and things like that, which that's not a biblical term. Like, the gift of tears isn't in the Bible, but he uh, he heard the Lord speak to him about the gift of tears and long story short he was just talking about how it keeps him tender and how it keeps him soft you even see that in the bible where you know the shortest verse in the bible was jesus wept and right there you see i love the way he says it the crying god the weeping god and you see into the heart of jesus that as people come you know lazarus is dead and they come to him with all this disbelief and they're just so hurt and frustrated you know Jesus is four days late and they just come with all this stuff and not only is he a God that feels what we feel but he also keeps himself tender because in that moment I believe Jesus could have been bitter he could have been hateful towards those people like you unbelieving people why wouldn't you just you know who I am why don't you just why don't you just believe that I'm going to take care of everything but he actually Jesus wept. And I love that Corey even says, like, I, I just really cool. I just wanted to share it before we get into it because it's just a really beautiful thing. And it was just kind of talking about how for the longest time he thought it was just like a short little shedding of a tear. And, you know, just flicked it away or maybe just for a moment. But he said the longer he's been following the Lord, the more he believes that that was a really long, awkward, drawn out weeping. And he says that he just feels like it just carried on in front of everybody to where he allowed himself to be tender before the Lord. And in the in the the seedbed, the seedbed of tears, resurrection power came forth. Hmm. And so anyway, he was talking about it. It was really, really powerful. I love that. And he's got a it's actually on a, like any kind of like music thing. He's got like on Amazon music he's got it on apple spotify things like that he's got a new album he does these like meditation albums or whatever of like where he's just speaking and just also like praying some of it's just encouraging like reading of scriptures things like that but anyway he just put out a new one it's called revival and uh, anyway i just thought the gift of tears man that was just such something so so special you know like that's just something really cool and you know last week you know we obviously got choked up in this and I would just, I want to encourage you guys, maybe today even, like, when was the last time you've wept with your Bible? You know, just being honest with yourself and just saying, when was the last time you've been raw and real before the Lord like that? And if you haven't, it's not like you need to or you're not a Christian. I don't know, it's just like, maybe just even open yourself up to allow God to, to do that in your life. You know, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so, it just, you know, when us telling this and maybe this is the first time you're hearing it just reach on to that and say god if you do it for them do it for me and just watch them break open some stuff man because that'll that'll tear up a, a hardened heart you know it's just coming before the lord to weep um tears birthed by god um unto god yeah not just tears of just any old pain and heartache but like actual tears that are originated from the lord so anyway that's something interesting to kind of think about yeah it's a good side note yeah are we ready to read 
Sure. Cool. I'll continue. They like my narrating voice better. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter three. Oh, by the way, tonight's brought to you by Eric Gilmore, Sunsip International. I'm just kidding. It's not really. If any of my friends could hook that up, that connection. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, if you ever wanted to join our podcast, it would be my honor and my pleasure. All my LCU (laughs) friends and people that have connections that I don't even know about, hook me up. I would be very thankful for that. But anyway, just kidding. And also, hello, Patty. Just doing shout outs. We have, we have a sweet Patty who follows us and always sends us such encouraging messages. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just, I just love her so much. And we were teasing her and we said we're going to give her a shout out. So there it is. Hi, Patty. There you go, Patty. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> oh, man. So we're just going to open up in chapter 3, verse 1. This is the Shulamite. Night after night, I'm tossing and turning on my bed of travail. Why did I let him go from me? How my heart now aches for him. But he is nowhere to be found. So I must rise in search of him, looking throughout the city, seeking until I find him. Even if I have to roam through every street, nothing will keep me from my search. Where is he, my soul's true love? He is nowhere to be found. Then I encountered the overseers as they encircled the city. So I asked them, Have you found him, my heart's true love? Just as I moved past them, I encountered him. I found the one I adore. I caught him and fastened myself to him, refusing to be feeble in my heart again. Now now I'll bring him back to the temple within, where I was given new birth into my innermost parts, the place of my conceiving. The bridegroom king, promise me, O Jerusalem maidens, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer, that you'll not disturb my love until she is ready to arise. Who is this one, ascending from the wilderness, in the pillar of the glory cloud? This is the voice of the Lord, by the way. I didn't read that. I'll reread it. The voice of the Lord. Who is this one ascending from the wilderness in the pillar of the glory cloud? He is fragrant with the aroming, uh, with the anointing oils of myrrh and frankincense. More fragrant than all the spices of the merchant. Look, it is the king's marriage car- uh, marriage carriage. The love seat surrounded by sixty champions, the mightiest of Israel's hosts, are like pillars of protection. They are angelic warriors standing ready with swords to defend the king and his fiancée from every terror of the night. The king made his mercy seat for himself out of the finest wood that will not decay. Pillars of smoke like silver mist, a canopy of golden glory dwells above it, the place where they sit together and sprinkled with crimson. Love and mercy cover this carriage, blanketing the taber- his tabernacle throne. The king himself has made it for those who will become his bride. Rise up, Zion maidens, brides-to-be. Come and feast your eyes on this king as he passes in procession procession, on his way to his wedding. This is the day filled with overwhelming joy, the day of his great gladness. Oh. So before we get into chapter 4, let's talk about it. Three. There's a lot in this. First and foremost, for anyone that has, like, felt like they've drifted away from God or felt like, man, I've just kind of, like, not been to church lately. I've heard those things before. Like, I don't know, it's like a pet peeve of mine because it's not about not being at church. It's more so about where's your heart at with the Lord. Community is important. We need to be at church. We need to build each other up. The Lord says not to forsake the gathering of the church. But... At the same time, my, my question is more so, like, where's your heart at with the Lord? Because just like her, here, and that, that should be, anytime we have sin, like, come into our hearts, 
anytime we feel ourselves drift, we should have that feeling of, oh my gosh, why did I let him go? Yeah. Where is he? And to, to be searching frantically and to be searching so long and so outstretched that eventually she does find him. Mm-hmm. But how, I don't know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just human nature, but sometimes, man, as humans, we just get so lazy. Yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm going to go back to God, and <clears throat> man, I ain't talked to Jesus in a while, I'm going to pray, and then we pray, and then we feel like we're just praying to a wall, I feel like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling, and we're just like, well, I guess that didn't work. But, like, we should have the heart of a lover in that moment and be like, no, I need to search. I need to get in my prayer closet, and I don't leave until I feel him. Not that it's about feeling, but I don't, I don't leave until I experience him. Yeah. I don't leave until I encounter him. And uh, we, just, we just need to pick up that determination. I love even Chris Donald. One point in time, he talked about how um, sometimes whenever he's, like, really believing for the Lord. He, um, is bothering me. (laughs) I can't stand to hear the buzz. (laughs) Her phone was ringing. Anyway, (laughs) uh, but Chris Donald will talk about how, like, whenever he was, like, in the, like, feelings of, like, Again, just like, oh man, I feel like I've drifted away, or just like, man, I just feel hungry and I'm just going after God more. He said that he would fast until he would encounter the Lord. And so he wouldn't eat anything. He would just drink water. He'd just do straight water fast, and he wouldn't put a time limit on it. He's like, oh no, I'm not going to do a three-day fast. I'm not doing a week. I'm doing it until I feel him, or until I experience him, I should say. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't care if this is the rest of my life, which would be short, if, you know, like, I don't do this. He's like, but that's just the determination you have. And he said that he would find breakthrough at different moments. But I just love that. Like, we as Christians, as true lovers, brides-to-be, yeah. man, we need to be so lovesick for, for our king that if we feel a drifting, we need to be passionate about the return to him. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't just nonchalant and be like, oh, hey, uh, been a while. How you been, man? Like, uh... How's heaven been treating you? Like, we can't just nonchalantly just come back, but we need to, like, frantically search for him. And we need to, I love what James talks about. He says, weep over your sins. Again, it's going back to that get to tears. It's, it's to keep you tender. Mm-hmm. And he was like, weep over those things. Don't don't come at this half-heartedly. James talks about it. You need to come seriously. Be sober-minded when you come to this. Like, don't don't just come back half-heartedly. Not that you have to grovel, but it's that it's that exactly. searching him because you're lovesick. It's that exactly. searching for him because you're so desperate for him. Yeah. And you realize the the gravity of the situation without him. Exactly. You know. Um, I think also in this. Um, let's see. Oh gosh, I just I'm sorry, I just blanked out. I had something I was going to say about that. Um, oh, what I was going to say was, you know, she has the option of just being like, oh, you know, I, I didn't respond to him. Now he's gone. Now, you know, I'll just get distracted by some other lover, you know, mm-hmm. and we do that sometimes. And I think that, that you see that in scripture with, with some people who will just, you know, be distracted by other things that will turn away, that will walk away. And it, it never turns out good it's that pursuing him knowing again how desperately we need him how lost we are without him and you know when when adam and eve went and hid you know god made a covering and he made a way but there was that was not the way that he wanted to interact with them that was not the way he wanted to do life with them and they chose to hide but here you see her response is not to hide but to pursue Mm-hmm. And and you can see just how uh, turned on, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. he is by that. Like he wants to be pursued. He wants to to be wanted. Like we we want to be wanted, and I think that desire comes from him. He wants us to to yearn and ache for him and and pursue him, no matter what. Yeah. 
Something interesting that I see here in the footnotes. Um, it says that as she's frantically looking, she says, so I must rise in search of him looking throughout the city. And then this footnote it says that the city is a picture of the local church, a place with government, order, and overseers. She goes from church to church looking for the one she loves. But I love that down below, it goes on to say that she's going, she, even if I have to roam through every street, nothing will keep me from my search. Where is he, my soul's true love? He is nowhere to be found. Then I encountered the overseers as they encircled the city, so I asked them, have you found him, my heart's true love? Just as I, just as I moved past them, I encountered him. I found the one I adore. And that, to me, spoke something to me. Because, again, church is so important. I love church. I, mean, I love pastors, overseers, and things like that. But if you're searching for your heart's true love in a church and in overseers and not in him alone, he's nowhere to be found. Now, Jesus goes to church, obviously. I'm not saying, like, he's not found in church and we no. need to be hooked into a community. But anyway, I just found that interesting that, like, you're not going to find your personal relationship with Jesus through your pastor. You're not going to find your personal relationship through your church. Right. It's got to be a one-on-one -on -one thing with, <clears throat> with you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. And th there's a danger here of church hopping, you know, uh, that we see. You know, not necessarily what she's demonstrating here, but, you know, I see it so frequently. Is that, oh man, I feel like my Christianity's gone real lukewarm. I'm going to go to this church. Oh, this church is good. I like this, but... Oh, uh, then they don't do something I don't necessarily like, so we hop from church to church to church to church to church. I don't know. And it's just like, it's a real issue. Like, we need to stay planted in an area I just, uh, and search for the for Jesus there. I just heard something on this, and it was really profound. And it was uh, that, you know, don't forsake the gathering, of course, you know, because we need each other to sharpen each other and, you know, and to, uh, to support each other and, you know, to uh, basically, you know, get the bride ready. You know, you know, purity and, and yeah. holiness and, you know, put on her white guard, you get gown, you know, and stuff. But uh, there's there's people that go to church all the time and there's never any true in, uh, transformation. Mm -hmm. You know, you can go to church, you can have great experiences, fall out under the power, and then they don't get transformed. There's nothing lasting and tangible to it that comes from being intimate with the Lord. Mm. That's where true transformation comes from. Yeah. That's well, where true intimacy comes our, our from. Our page even made a post, I think it was last <clears> week or the week before last. Like it was David Wagner that said <clears> it. It was his quote, but he said that I've been to many conferences and have left the same way I came in. He goes, but I've never entered, encountered the presence of the Lord and left the same. Exactly. Yeah, and it's... Because again, I, I think I want to preface, I am not bashing the church. The church is beautiful. No, right. we, yeah. The church has a role. Exactly. And that role is, you know, for pastors to pastor. For exactly. them to, to preach messages to help us have understanding. To help us to help us know how to encounter Jesus on our own. Yeah. The church is there as a family to help support and surround you in, in prayer and encourage you. And, um, you know, it's, it's there for, you know... It's there for a reason, and and we need our churches. Yeah. But the what you're what you're getting at, what I understand is, is that there's a there's a faction of people who don't know yet, um, what the church is really there for, and they're not getting a relationship on their own, apart from the church, and then they're left wondering, like, what am I missing? I see all these other people who are who are getting it, who are, whose lives are transformed, yeah. who are changed, yeah. and they leave, they're like confused and not knowing. And, you know, maybe they just haven't been discipled or maybe they haven't, you know, gotten and asked questions or pursued that or, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever the reason is. But they're not getting that personal relationship outside the church for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's a lot of times it may just be that they don't know. Like the church is there to guide you in a direction, but it's your job to pursue it outside yeah. of the building and um you know one of the things that it says in here is i found the one i adore i caught him and fastened myself to him mm. man that's that's a that's like lock it in with him now i got it i know what was missing mm. and you're just locking it in and you're like i'm never gonna leave him again you know i'll, I'll mm. never ever 
refusing to be feeble in my heart again. I'll bring him back to the temple within where I was given new birth, to my innermost parts, to the place of my conceiving. How right. intimate is that? How beautiful is that? Yeah. It's almost like going back to that place that you got saved, going back to that place where, where you and he became one and, and you allowed him to, to have that place in your life. Yeah. And just like, I don't know, it's just, it's like refusing to let go. You know, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, I want to be like a pit bull on a T-bone. Like, I want, I want to be locked in on him. And no matter what kind of shaking happens, I'm not going to let go. Mm-hmm. And that's that moment that she's at. Is like, man, I, I, did, I let go, and I shouldn't have. And you see, I was looking for it earlier. I can't find it now. Where he was like, come away with me. And she's like, oh, not yet. Mm-hmm. And she didn't go. But here, she knows, like, oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. When God said, when <laughs> when your knight in shining armor shows up on his white horse and he's like, come away with me, we don't want to be like, not yet. Like when Jesus is ready and yeah. he wants us to move and he wants us to go with him and have whatever crazy adventure he wants to take us on that day. Because mm-hmm. he does it every day. This isn't just a one day. Every day he's available. Come on, go with me and let's have this adventure. Like, I don't want to be like, "Mm, not right now. Let me do this other thing first, maybe tomorrow. And that's a beautiful picture of how Jesus comes. That's often not how it's presented in our day-to-day. And so we have this grand image of a a knight in shining armor on a white horse. But oftentimes, our knight in shining armor shows up in our prayer closet at 5 a.m. When we still have bedhead, unbrushed teeth, and he's still saying, hey, come away with me. He's in there. But are we going to hit the snooze button and say, not quite yet? Well, that's kind of what the deal was. Exactly. Wasn't she in her chambers whenever he came? Like, she she was in bed. I can't find two, it. I, believe. I don't know. Whatever. I, I think she was in bed. <laughs> like, you know, you're tucked in for the night, you're chilling, whatever, and maybe God's like, hey, I want you to go away with me. Once yeah. you come out into this cold weather, we're going to get in the car, and we're going to drive to some destination unknown <laughs> and there's going to be someone yeah. there that I want want you to encounter whether it's for you to bless mm-hmm. them them to bless you it's probably usually going to be mutual whatever yeah. what I want you to give them your last $30 so they can get a hotel room you know I don't know it could be anything but it's rarely convenient but yet it's an adventure with yeah. our king that he invites us to yeah all the time yeah. multiple times a day. Yeah. And sometimes it's just the adventure of, of knowing him more, of going deeper with him, of that secret place time with him where he reveals things to you that you've never known before. Yeah. You know, that's an adventure. I absolutely love it whenever I'm at work or if I'm just going throughout my day. And I know the feeling. I, I've, for the longest time, I thought it was different each time, but now there's like a, there's like a routine almost, and just as soon as I say that, it's going to change. But I don't know. There's just like this thing that the Holy Spirit does where he just like nudges me. And I, and I know the nudging, and I know what it means. It's like, it's exactly what you say. It's come away with me. Mm-hmm. I know that there's an invitation, and it usually doesn't look like me leaving that spot. It actually looks like me just actually slowing way down. And all of a sudden, I just, I turn my thoughts and my affections toward him, and all of a sudden... He's there in an encounter. Yeah. And, and it's just those little moments like that. Yeah. And, and it's just like any lover. You, you get random phone calls throughout the day. or Hey, I'm going to pick you up for lunch. Right. Or whatever. And you love somebody, you just want to be with them. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with him. Right. He just wants those little things. And so just staying sensitive to that. Staying open to that. Those little nudgings, those little promptings from the Holy Spirit. And just saying... Hey, come away with me. I don't remember where I was going the other day when I had a moment like that. I was, it was somewhere where they were going to look at my face. I don't know if it was, a, it was drive through at a bank or drive through with food. I don't know, drive through something. And I had one of those moments where he just nudged me and I had a Jesus encounter and I just, I could immediately feel my eyes just filling up with tears, driving, crying. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm like, seriously, God. Mm-hmm. 
like, I'm going to see these people. They're going to think I'm having a horrible moment and I am just having the best time of my life with you. But I'm going to look at these people. <laughs> it's so crazy. But it's okay. You know, I could have shut it down. I could have been like, no, no, not now, not now. Yeah. But then I would have been like, you know, turning them away. And I was like, no way. Like, Jesus is right here and wants my attention and my affection right now. Yeah. Who am I to turn him away? Yeah. Ridiculous. I like do sometimes. But well, I'm glad I, I didn't. And I did look crazy. And they looked at me a little funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. When you said, who am I? I just immediately thought that's... Um, who am I? No, I said no? the other one. Who am I that you are mindful oh. of me? <laughs> that one too. That's some good old life days. Well, my old life days. Back when I was a kid. Yes. Alright. Did you have anything in, in here? There's oh. still a lot in there. There's a lot of end time stuff with the voice of the Lord there at the end. There's a lot like like in Revelations, different types of stuff in that. But... Huh? I meant death. No, I know. I was just saying that there's a little more. Oh, I thought you were going to... You're I was prompting him because he usually likes that stuff. Well, that's what I was going to say. It just amazes me how much it reflects Revelations, you know. Yeah. The bridal, you know, the bridal supper, the, you know. The, marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the bridegroom coming back and the, you know, it's just, it's you know, they're very similar in the way that they're designed. Yeah. There's a lot of symbolic things, too, that for the sake of time, we're just not going to get into. But this is some fun stuff. Like, I don't know. I always think of Grandma whenever I think of, like, she loved her mystery books. And yeah. this is, like, the greatest mystery book ever. Because, like, there's so many little hidden things in there. And so, like, if you guys have time, just, like, just get really intrigued into the symbolism in this and, like, look into it. Look in some footnotes, things like that. So there's a lot of really, really deep stuff in, in what God's saying through the symbolism here. But anyway, for the sake of time, we'll get into that. The Bridegroom King, Chapter 4. This is Jesus. You want me to read it? <laughs> you trying to bring up the flow for? Huh? Go ahead. Just messing with you. <clears throat> Listen, my dear Starling, you are so beautiful. You are beauty itself to me. Your eyes glisten with love, like gentle doves behind, behind your veil. What devotion I see each time I gaze upon you. You are like a sacrifice ready to be offered. When I look at you, I see how you have taken my fruit and tasted my word. Your life has become clean and pure, like a lamb washed and newly shorn. And now show grace and balance with truth on display. You now show grace and balance with truth on display. Your lips are as lovely as Rahab's scarlet ribbon. Speaking mercy, speaking grace, the words of your mouth are as refreshing as an oasis. What pleasure you bring to me. I see your blushing cheeks open like the halves of a pomegranate showing through their veil of tender meekness. When I look at you, I see your inner strength, so stately and strong. You are as secure as David's fortress. Your virtues and grace cause a thousand farm farmers, a thousand famous soldiers to surrender to your beauty. Your pure faith and love rest over your heart as you, as you nurture those who are yet infants. The Shulamite, I have made up my mind. Until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come, in spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love, oof, and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Ooh. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty, without flaw within. Now you are ready, my bride to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down, we will look down from the crest of the glistening mountains and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary 
Together we will wage war in the lion's den and in the leopard's lair, as they watch nightly for their prey. For you reach into my heart, and with one flash of your eyes I am undone by your love. My beloved, my equal, my bride, you leave me breathless, I am overcome. By merely a glance of your worshiping eyes, you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love, and by the grace of and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfume praises so intoxic so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey, for I found the promised land flowing within you. And fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart, a secret spring are you that no one else can have. My bubbling fountain hidden from public view, what a perfect partner to me now that I have you. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Here are the nine pomegranates of passion, henna from heaven, spike mouth so sweet, saffron shining, fragrant clamus, calamus from the cross. Sacred cinnamon, branches of scented woods, myrrh like tears from a tree, and aloe as eagles ascending. Your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you, like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. The Shulamite bride. Then may your awakening breath blow upon my life until I am fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come walk with me as you walked with Adam in the paradise garden. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. Bridegroom King, I have come to you, my darling bride, for you are my paradise garden. Shulamite bride, come walk with me until I am fully yours. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. Oh. Oh, man. Well, there's a lot in that. I heard a thing on the, uh, all the spices and the aromas. You know what that is? Hmm. It's romanticism. It's like, if we were to go on a romantic trip and we took a sandalwood candle with us and then sandalwood would remind us of that trip every time we smelt it you know what i mean it's a it's a it's a romantic reminder the smells and the familiarities and the oh yeah I, you smell that do you, do you remember when mm -hmm. that's that's what that is that's kind of cool isn't that beautiful mm. i love the the representation of some of these spices too i know that uh, a little earlier, I was reading in one of the footnotes again. I don't know that I can find it again. Um, I think that uh, the frankincense was the, um, uh, I forget what that was, but is it right here? Oh, it is. Do you want to just go through them? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, you can. It doesn't bother me. It, it was kind of your deal, but. Uh, right here in the footnotes, it says pomegranate is taken from a word that means exalted. The temple pillars were adorned with pomegranates. So right there, so anything that we see here, this is what she, her aroma is to him. Mm -hmm. So the way that the Lord views us is like this. He sees us as exalted with him. I think you had jumped ahead of what I was saying. Which So let's go through those. But first, I was talking... Pomegranates of passion was first. No. And 
uh, in the beginning of chapter four here, where it talks about the spices. Actually, it's in three six. Yeah, um, so you're in the wrong one. Well, that's where they first were talking about the spices. That's what I was going back to, is this. Oh, go ahead. So, the spices are found in the Bible. They're ingredients of the sacred anointing oil. Myrrh points to the suffering and death of Christ, while frankincense reveals the fragrance of his perfect life and ministry. Mm -hmm. I was speaking specifically about those two. So even just like those two things alone, you know, those uh, embodied... Jesus, both in his death and in his life and ministry. In spite of that was interesting. Because that's what uh, Mary, Mary broke, broke over him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was his uh, being anointed for uh, death, for burial. Yeah. You know. All right, I'll read okay, what they so go are. ahead. Henna comes from the root word for uh, ransom price or redemption. The fruit of mercy is seen in his maturing bride. That's good. The Hebrew word for spikenard means light. She is walking in the light as he is in the light. Saffron is used, uh, is the crocus, the lover's perfume, costly and fragrant. Calamus is taken from a marsh plant known as sweet flag, which produces fragrant oil. The Hebrew word for this spice means purchased or redeemed. Cinnamon emits a fragrance that is representative of an odor of holiness to the Lord. It was used in the sacred anointing oil of the priests in the tabernacle. Pause. <clears throat> I don't know how I would feel about getting anointed with some cinnamon oil. That stuff burns. I'll never forget that one time I accidentally put cinnamon near like essential oil cinnamon. I put some in my beard once. Lit my my face turned red. Oh, it burned the crap out of me. Well, with a hot uh, oil, you need to mix it with uh, uh, something. Cut it with like a regular oil. I don't think they had carrier oil. Sure, they did. They had olive oil. Yeah, olive Maybe oil yeah. still, that stuff's strong. <laughs> I don't anoint me, oh Lord, but with the cinnamon. There's cinnamon in it. Yeah, it's, it's not straight it's one cinnamon of the oil. Area. Lit me up. I was just imagining them. You'd think the fire of the Lord hit them. All right. Good. Anyway, small note. Uh, which one was this? So, so branches of scented woods. So, this is the incense that would be burned on the golden altar in the holy place. Um, an aloe as eagle. Oh, sorry. Myrrh, like tears from a tree. Known as tears from a tree, myrrh was a resin spice formed by cutting a tree. It is a picture of the suffering love of Christ dripping down from Calvary's tree. Oh, that's such a beautiful picture. Uh, and here it says, as aloe is as eagles ascending, it says aloe is considered by many as a healing balm. The presence of the Lord within her is released as a healing balm to those she touches. Jesus' robe smelled of aloe. You see that in Psalms 45, 8. One of the names used for uh, used by some for aloe is eagle wood. Like eagles, we fly above our wounds, free from the past as we walk in intimacy with Him. Man, that's just so powerful. I love that. I have a <clears throat> devotional that's sent to me on a semi-regular basis. It's not a it's not a weekly, but it's not a monthly either. It just kind of shows up when it shows up. Yeah. And um, it was. It took part of the Song of Songs, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, whatever you want to call it, and uh, highlighted it. And when it did, I mean, it just it brought me to tears. And I, I got it underlined here in my Bible, with little hearts and stuff all around it. Uh, I want to read. I want to read that, and then I want to read what it says on here. Like when you, there's just something so beautiful about the way Jesus loves us. Like it brings me to tears. To be loved that much mm. and that purely. Yeah. And so in uh, four nine it says, "For you, for this is this is Jesus talking to us. Like I could see saying this maybe to Jesus, but this is Jesus talking to us. For you reach into my heart, and with one flash of your eyes, I'm undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride." You leave me breathless. 
I am overcome. By merely a glance of your worshiping eyes, you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. To think of Jesus held hostage, taken captive by us, to, to be left breathless and overcome. And I love where it says, by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. I just think of the worship that I that I give the Father. When I'm when I'm in church, for example, like I, I give I like to think that I give him everything I've got. Um, but I know there's more. I know when I'm at home by myself I give him more than when I give him in church. Oh. But it's I think of that as like the glance, you know, because I know there's more. I can look deeply into it into his eyes by being more all inexpressive or whatever. Um, I'm working on that. Um, but that glance from my eyes in worship, he's just like, oh. you know, it's, it's just, it stops him. Mm -hmm. And he loves that. And so down here it says, um, you've ravished my heart. This is the Hebrew word. Mm, I don't really know how to say this, and I'm not even sure I can Let me see, see it. Libethini? I'm going to try it. Let's see. You can't look in your Bible? Where is that? Four nine. In the footnotes, this is the Hebrew word we're going to say libethini, which is taken from a Semitic root word that means to tear bark off of a tree. He's saying that your loving eyes of worship have uncovered his heart and laid it bare, making him vulnerable to you. What description, what a description of what happens to Jesus when he looks into your eyes. Your worship brings him such an ecstasy and delight that it becomes hard to even imagine. Yet God has placed inside of you the ability to ravish the heart of your king, not someday in heaven, but now, even when you feel incomplete and weak. It's Libethini. Libethini. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from southern Israel. It's Libethini. <laughs> anyway... No, I like that, though. That's an incredible footnote. I just like to try my best at some of the Hebrew words sometimes. You sometimes. Like to try your best at just <clears throat> saying something opposite of what I say. <laughs> no, I just got to do it a little better, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I really love, man, it just choked me up, because, man, this is so important. Man, this is just, oh, it just gets me. It's whenever she comes in at verse 6 and says, I've made up my mind until darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love, at the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Yeah. She understood. She counted the cost. Mm -hmm. She knew that to be a bride, that there was a mountain of suffering love. Right. Oh. To be at the mountaintop of the mountain of suffering love with Jesus, it's a beautiful place to be, but it's painful. And like she said, it's in spite of shadows and fears, I will go. And man, there's just, you have to understand that there is such a, it's, it's a good thing. It's not just the prosperity gospel. I mean, people have been knocking this thing for a while, so I'm not trying to go after the prosperity gospel. But sometimes you hear a lot of sermons and it's all rainbows and butterflies and everything's great. But the truth is, all of God's promises, yeah, they're yes and amen, woohoo, yes, Jesus, but he also promises us to be suffering. He promises persecution. Yeah. And if we're to follow Jesus the way that you really should, if you're really following Jesus, there's persecution. Well, it says in the New Testament, we're to take our cross up daily. Yeah. Every day. And I'm not just, like, yes, sometimes it's putting down that extra cup of coffee because, Lord, I'm dedicating this extra caffeine to you and, like, oh, take up my cross. It's going to be such a long day. I don't have my extra cup of joe. Like, Okay, good for you, and I understand people have their own little... Th 
Oh god, there's gonna be somebody on there that's actually like this is a major step for them that I just insulted them. You just offended <laughs> Jessica. She is coming after you on Sunday. I can take a Jessica. But <laughs> every milestone means something. I don't know, but I, to me, like when I think of that, like man, there's just there's like there's little battles like that, and then there's like there's monumentous things that we go through with Jesus. Like there's just difficulty. There's heartbreak. There is suffering. There's pandemics. He told the he told the disciples go to Jerusalem and wait for and wait to be a dude with a power upon high and I will make you the word there he uses is called martyrs martyrs he he was promising them what they were getting mm-hmm. coming yeah. and they That's went good. and they went and waited every single last disciple that Jesus had was killed for their faith yeah. except for John yeah. but he was still boiled in oil. Left on the exile on the island of Patmos. I mean, if you're going to be following Jesus, the closer you follow, like, sometimes the more dangerous it is. But how much greater the reward? Because she understands this is the beautiful part of this. Yeah. Is that even though she sees that it's the mountain of suffering love, she's counted the cost. And <laughs> what she's saying here is all these things that I'm losing to gain you, I've gained everything. Yeah. Like, none of this even matters. If I have you, I have everything. That's the picture. That's the key. It's not to be martyrs so that way we can just be martyrs and say how much we've lost for Jesus. It's actually to exalt him and put him above everything else and saying it's not even about the loss. It's not about me being tortured. It's not about me being beheaded or whatever the crazy martyrdoms that we see that still happen today even. You know, it's not about, man, I've been tortured for Christ. You know, look at me. I'm such a great Christian. It's actually, that stuff doesn't even matter. Look at him. He's beautiful. He's faithful. Can I touch on something there before I forget it? Uh, What I see in that is an unashamed bride. She's unashamed of him. And how can she be unashamed? Because he is her focus. The only time you see a bride that is ashamed is when she has other lovers. So it's those other lovers in our life that would cause us to back down or to soften it. Or you, you know what I mean? Oh, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings or I don't want to, you know. you know. And of course you don't want to, but it's more important that I'm true to my lover. Mm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Did I put it right? Yeah. Okay, so... It's a, it's a, it's being an, un, an unashamed bride. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. When you look at people who have, um, who have put their lives on the line, yeah. you know, like you were saying, for Christ, and they aren't looking for you to look at them and give them accolades. Mm-mm. They don't. People try to give it to them, sure. but you'll see them reject it really quick. Yeah. And and those are people who've looked in the face of Jesus, counted the cost, and chosen Him above everything else. And they won't. They don't want you to look at them and be like, "Oh, look what they did." Mm. Those are the first people that'll be like, oh, "Let me tell you what Jesus did mm-hmm. and what He'll do for you." Mm. Oh man, that reminds me of the Father of Lights movie. Whenever it shows the people that have been martyred for Christ, do you remember that sweet little Middle Eastern? I think he was Egyptian guy who was martyred. Uh, he wasn't martyred. He was sorry, martyr. he was uh, persecuted. Mm-hmm. Wrong words. Um, but anyway, they they tried to cut out his cross tattoo and they burned him with cigarettes. And yeah. oh God, whenever he talks about like, oh, he tears me up every time. But like, he talks about every time. The way he said it was just so cute, man. It was just so funny. But, like, so intimate. And they said, like, with every single cigarette that they burned me, every burn, he goes, I felt Jesus hug me. And so it's like, you know, he, like, felt the burns, like, as they were, like, torturing this man for his faith. He was like, all I could see was Jesus hug me. I could just feel him. I could just feel him hug me. And, like, that's what I see here. Like, though we're not all going to be tortured, no, I hope not, but 
it would, I guess, be an honor, but I'm just not there. I'm just not there to want to be like, oh, yeah, let's go get martyred for Christ. Like, sorry, I'm just, maybe someday I'll be holy enough for that. But um, I, I just not, I'm just not excited for torture. But I understand that, man, there's something so beautiful about it. Yeah. And, and going through what we're going through, whatever it is that you're going through, us, whatever. Man, it's, it's finding Jesus in the midst of that persecution. It's finding him in the middle of all of that. To see the God, I just think of, in the beginning of, of Genesis, how the Holy Spirit hovered over chaos. He hovered over the waters of the deep, and then the world was emptiless, void, and chaotic. And it's just the Holy Spirit's hovering over all of it. Yeah. And that's where he is today. He's hovering over our chaos. And we just have to reach up. We have to reach out and grab him to, to mount up on wings like eagles, to come up above, to rise up above the issues that are here on the surface. Because to come up away with him, to be co-seated in heavenly places like he's already paid for us to be. It's to come up above those things, to not be marked by them. Man, the, my number one request that I prayed to God is that, you know, going through my divorce is, God, I don't want to be that divorced guy. I don't want to be marked and like every time somebody sees me is like, oh, that's that divorce guy. He went through a divorce. Like that's the first thing they think of. Because I see that. There's some people I see and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that brutal divorce. Because they wear it. And it's, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something different. Man, I've been this or that and the other done against me and they wear that thing like a cloak. Yeah. And that's not your identity. That's not who you're being called to be. You are called to be clothed in righteousness. To be clothed in Christ. You're not supposed to wear your baggage. Man, and you just... God calls us to rise up above. And that's what this whole thing is about. Like, to ascend to the mountain of suffering love. And, and to be his bride. And, and to not just... To own it, you know? I don't know. I'm it's in those dark places. I, I know we've all said this probably multiple times even on this podcast. But it's in those dark places, I feel like, where you sense God's presence the most. You know, and I think it's because it's that desperation, like she talks about in this chapter, that that I, I need you so desperately. And and we're hungry for him and we know he's the answer. He he doesn't just have the answer, he is the answer. Mm. And as we pursue him, we're gonna find whatever it is that we need. If it's something we needed to to get free from we're gonna find freedom if it was something that we need to you know find figure out how to battle something we're gonna learn how to battle effectively you know if it's whatever it is we're gonna find it in him if it's peace he is peace if it is joy he is joy and we're gonna find it just by turning our eyes to him and man there's just something so significant that I just keep hearing over and over and over again I mean for months is just a lock eyes with me you know just lock eyes with me when our focus is on Jesus we we can't see all this other stuff that's going on around us and it doesn't matter it's not like we're just blinded to it and it, it you know we're stupid it doesn't matter because Jesus has he sees it he's taking care of it our focus is here our answer is here our attitude is here. Our joy, our peace, our strength, our everything is here, locked eyes with him. And it's when we get our eyes off of him like Peter that we begin to sink. Mm. You know? Did he get mad at Peter? No. I got you. You know? But let, let's not even let it get that far. Let's keep locked on mm. to Jesus and see where we can go with him. There's something so attractional about the eyes of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, something that you, whatever, I don't know about you guys, but for me, and anytime I've ever been to, like, a bonfire, like, anytime you're there, it doesn't matter, like, when you're sitting around a bonfire, I hardly ever look at the people. Like, I'm just constantly looking at the fire. When I'm talking, I'm, like, talking, but I'm looking at the fire the whole time. And I'm just watching the fire. That's what That's you do. so good. When you're at a yeah. bonfire, you just look at the fire. That's just what you do. That's what catches your gaze. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says that his eyes are like fire. Yeah. There's something attractional that just captivates you. That whenever, when you're around it, you're just like, man, I gotta look at that. And he's an all-consuming fire. 
Mm -hmm. Man, he just takes your gaze and he consumes it. And he's like, yeah, and nothing else does matter. This yeah. Be focused, be drawn into me. And man, that's just something beautiful about... It might be hard to initiate that eye contact sometimes because the world's busy and we get distracted and I get all that stuff. But once you set your gaze upon him, it's hard to look away. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's even harder to look away. Like that's the beautiful thing. Which is beautiful because he says even one look by, from our eyes ravishes his heart. And we find ourselves in this like beautiful dance with Jesus, both being ravished by our gazes. That's why I think the most beautiful times with Jesus is when nobody's saying anything. It's just looking at him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. He doesn't need to be saying anything. I don't need to be saying anything. It's just black dies. And there's just something so much to be said in silence. Mm. I was thinking earlier when you were talking about tears. Yeah. There's that <clears throat> Facebook post that probably most of us have seen of just a piece of paper with teardrops on it. And it said, God can read this. Mm. Man, every time I see that, I just think, you know, God, God speaks heart. God knows mm. the things that are going on inside of us. And those moments where I've just been sitting there, tears streaming down my face, and I can't, I don't have words, mm. you know? And I just sit there, and all I can think is, I, I don't know how to tell you. And all you can hear is, I already know. You know, there's just that love, there's that there's that sense of his presence that's just reassuring. And you know, it it may be a process that you're going through of, you know, losing my mom or you know, different things like that. Just like I know that healing's gonna take a while. That getting used to her being gone's gonna take a while. And but yet in those moments, tears streaming, not knowing what to say, just asking him to be you know mm. be what I need I can't even tell you what I need just be with me I'm yeah. gonna be okay and he shows up every time you know he's just yeah. just there and in that you know it, it may not be the oh all of a sudden I feel better I don't miss her anymore mm. but it's the it's that comfort and that reassurance mm. I love um something Corey Russell did talk about with the tears he said tears are liquid prayer mm -hmm. oh. and he was talking about even um, it just moves the heart of God and then he was talking about the, a story from the National Red Cross he said that there was a team headed out to this city and uh, they were trying to break ground there and they were really trying to spread the gospel but they weren't seeing anybody come to the Lord yeah. and they're you know, using up all their resources just really like feeling down about this and so they write the leader of the Red Cross uh, booth, something, John Booth, mm -hmm. I think. Anyway, uh, they write the leader, and they're like, hey, you know, we're really trying to figure out what, what should we do. Like, we're, we're here, we're using up all our resources, and we're not seeing any breakthrough. What should we do? And he came back, he wrote a letter with two words on it. He said, try tears. And it's just like, it's so powerful, and I remember hearing Pastor Ryan or somebody say before too, like, if you, God's not going to give you a city you haven't wept over. God's not going to give you the, the some of the things that we ask for without tears being behind it, because there's something about connecting in prayer, connecting to the heart of the Lord, to feel the Lord's desire in that. That it's not out of selfish gain or ambition, but it's actually connecting to the heart of the Father and con tapping into His heart, tapping into, again, His tears. Yeah. And in that, you find breakthrough. So anyway, another thing, but I think it's just so important. Yeah. I believe they call that a ministry of sorrow. When you minister from the Lord's sorrow. Yeah. I'm not trying to say yeah. everybody's, you know, the weeping prophet or anything like that. Right. Jeremiah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to call everybody to just cry and ball bag all the time, but I think that there's this, there's something beautiful about being raw and real before the Lord. You don't have to ball in front of everybody and you know, whatever. If it happens, it happens. But you know, this is something between you and the Lord. This happens in prayer and in secret place too. You know, so. Well, as a parent, you know, when your kids come to you and they're talking to you about things that are going on, there's a difference between 
hey, this is going on in my life. And when they climb up on your lap and they just break down in tears, you know, you just, you don't have to know what happened. You just know you're going to make it okay. You're going to love on them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to protect them. You're going to be fierce for them. You know, whatever it is that they need, you know that you're going to do that for them. And I think God is the same way. Like, you climb on his lap and you, you let your heart cry. Parents are responsive to that. And I, I think our Father God is the same way. Dude, that's what I love about the tenacity of God. And, and we can end on this because I know we're probably running a long time. But, yeah. Um, I love this. It says this in 8, but it's lower down. It says, together we will wage war in the lion's den and in the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. I love that. That's such a power statement. My inner evangelist goes nuts over that kind of stuff. <laughs> Man, I just love that. Together we're going to wage war in the lion's den and in the leopard's lair. Man, I love that. He has called us to be a powerful bride. That's we are right. not some weak, mamsy-pamsy Christians that are just sucking our thumbs and, oh, what are we going to do? The world's in distress. Let's just go pray and, you know, hope everything's going to be okay and we'll just hide under our porches and hope everything turns out okay and just wait for the Lord to come make everything right. No. He has said, together, let's go wage war. Right. Let's go after this thing together. I'm not just going to go fight your battles for you. I'm not just going to go pick a fight with that lion by myself. Mm. You're coming with me. Well, that was just like last week's. Let's do it together. Mm. He invites us to do things with him. This book is filled with people putting on their armor. Mm. In Ephesians, God tells us to put on our armor. To, to even go into the day, you know? Mm. Put on our armor. Pick up your sword. How many times do you read that in the Bible? Being a Christian is not just, a, like you said, the... Well, I'm going to pray and hope everything works out. You yeah. know what? A lot of times it is, I'm going to pray, pick up my shield, pick up my sword, put on my helmet, tighten my belt, make sure my shoes are good. You know, yeah. I'm going to get out there and having done all I can do to stand, just stand. Yeah. Having done all I can do. Mm -hmm. That's our part. And then once we've done all that, then we just stand. Yeah. Knowing that the battle is the Lord's. And he'll take care of the rest. It's good but word. we have to do our part. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times the way we wage war looks like prayer. Yeah. It, sometimes it does. But there's a different posture in heart when our prayers is, God, I, I, please just come make everything okay. And sometimes it looks like we got to take action, like you said. Having done all we can do, what have you done? Yeah. Have you put your feet to the ground and actually tried to make forward movement in this? And I love that song. Um, he was talking about like all, seeing all the destruction in the world, all the chaos, and he looked this, up to God and said, God, why don't you do something about this? And God mm -hmm. looks down and he says, I did, I created you. Yeah. And yeah. I love that, because it's like, this whole book is talking about a partnership. God could have yes. destroyed the enemy all on his own. He has defeated him, actually, but now he wants to take dominion back over the earth, not by himself, of course he could do it. Doesn't need he didn't need to sacrifice his son to do that. He could have just conquered the enemy any point in time, just spoken a word, snapped a finger, he could have done anything. He could have just thought it. And the enemy would have been defeated, dead, gone, cast in hell, whatever. But God wanted a partnership. That's why he sent his son, so he could have a relationship with us and so that we can destroy hell through the empowerment of him. It's walking hand in hand. He wanted a relationship with us before we ever fell. Exactly. And it again, looking at this as a parent, like you see your kid screw something up, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to fix it for you. I'm going to show you how to fix it. Yeah. Now you go fix it. You know? Yeah. They had no business. That, that bully took your lunch money? Oh, I can go take care of it, but I'm going to show you how to take care of it. Yeah. And then you, you're not going to continue to get bullied. You're going to help other people not get bullied. Yeah. You and punch them in the neck. Well, just kidding. You preach Jesus and they get them saved. That's, yeah. what, that's what we did yeah. when I was growing up.
you know, you teach your kids like how to how to handle their business, how to handle their problems, so it yeah. doesn't continue to be a problem. Yeah. And I feel like you know, guys, just like okay, all right, you decided that you screwed a lot of stuff up. Here's here's some things that's going to happen because of it. But while we're at it, I'm going to teach you how to handle your business. Now go handle it. And then he empowers us to do so. Is it over, Ro? Did you come to close it out? She says, I've had enough. I have no food to crunch and no water to lick. So I'm going to need y'all to wrap it up. Wow. <laughs> this is good. We're averaging about two chapters. So this might be a four-part series because there's eight chapters. And some of them. Yeah. Um, anyway. Do we want to end in prayer real quick? Yeah, sure. I think that'd be phenomenal. Dad, you want to do it? Sure. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to partner with you. This is a partnership. We are your bride. I pray you just imprint that into all of our hearts, Lord. Everybody listening and us too. Just make that a stronger revelation. Give us a, give us a heavenly insight into just how much that really means. Pray that you give uh, everybody dreams and visions and just uh, encounter them, Lord. Hover over them in the night. Let them encounter you in a whole new and special way. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Right on. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, I hope you have a blessed night, day, wherever, whenever you listen to it. But um, we'll see you next week with the continuation of part three of four probably of the Song of Solomon <laughs> series and uh, love you guys and we'll see you next week bye <laughs>